0: For years, I did not talk about being a ballerina. I was worried that that would discount my credibility in technology and cyber. And it was one of my mentors actually said, you need to talk about your background to just show how diversity can come into technology.
1: I'm Sean Cheatham, Chief Sales Officer at Hayes Technology, and this is our podcast called How Did You Get That Job? that explores the secrets behind career success in the tech industry. In this episode, we are joined by Jessica Nemers, the Chief Security Officer at Elevate, who are a fintech company disrupting the non-prime lending space with responsible online credit solutions. Jessica's career has taken a non-traditional route to the top of tech security, so we'll be asking her about her journey, what challenges arise in the financial sector, and the pressures of being a leader in her field. So Jessica, you began training from the age of six years old to be a professional ballerina.
0: I sure did, yes.
1: So could you tell us a little bit about your experiences?
0: As I went through, I really found a love of dance. And I believe like a lot of athletes, if they're going to the Olympics or something like that, by the time you get into junior high and high school, it's just what you do. So at some point, it wasn't a conscious choice. It was what I did. By high school, I was dancing six days a week, and by my senior year of high school, I was actually already a professional. So I got to go to a private high school in Dallas, Texas, and they actually worked with my schedule. So the weeks I was in the theater, I got to miss homeroom and sleep in just another hour and did a lot of homework sitting in a hallway in a tutu (laughs) before I went on stage.
1: Clearly, tech wasn't in your mindset back then. What made you make the jump from ballet into the world of technology?
0: I always joke about my leap into technology came really by chance. So in the mid-90s, we were facing some budget concerns within the arts here in the Dallas area. I was dancing professionally, and so my ballet company... Actually went bankrupt. So it was very sudden. We had just stepped off stage on Sunday. We had Monday off. We came into work on Tuesday and they said we have to shut our doors and file bankruptcy. We're not going to be able to fund the rest of the season. I really wasn't sure what I was going to do next because that's what I had been trained to do. And so a friend of mine who used to work at ballet, worked at the symphony, said EDS, at the time electronic data systems, and Hitachi were doing a collaborative project to bring 100 days of Japanese culture to the Dallas Fort Worth area. And they needed a call center manager. And I said, okay, I'll interview. I got over there. One thing led to another. I ended up being the assistant to the chief operating officer of that project and was there a year. So being at EDS and being at a technology company, I started thinking this is kind of interesting. From there I went to Perot Systems and at the time Mr. Perot had left EDS years before and started Perot Systems and they were basically trying to double their workforce and as the recruiter told me, we're hiring anyone right now. And I'm like, great. (laughs) I had no skills at all. So I just kind of faked my way in, I guess. Once I saw technology, I saw the data center, I just absolutely fell in love with tech. I just thought we were on the bleeding edge. And that was 1997. And I've just really enjoyed going through my career and just seeing so many things changing evolving and just the whole world becoming digital. You've
1: talked about EDS, you talked about Perot. Maybe fill in our listeners a little bit more about your career to uh, present day.
0: Yeah, so at Perot Systems, they really had a motto of hire for character, train for skills. So I came in, like I said, in recruiting and I was standing up on stage doing these recruiting talks at colleges because we were really focused on hiring military, ex-military, and college students to grow a workforce. And turns out I can stand on stage and not get nervous because I had a lot of time on stage. So they said, we've got to make her a trainer. I led a global organization at Barrow Systems. What I really wanted to do was work in the data center. So I negotiated a little bit to be able to work in the data center as a docent with our customers. So I would take them through the data center. I would teach them about the operations. And then I really got into business continuity and disaster recovery, resiliency. You know, all these things, they're really the basis of security. But it would be a little bit longer until I could really move into security because I discovered as just being a good corporate citizen and being where the company needs you allowed me to lead a global team. I had a team in the US, Romania, India, and Mexico. I got to be part of the team that opened Perot Systems Mexico and Guadalajara. And that was a great experience. And then from there, after 14 years, moved to Commercial Metals Company, and it's a global steel manufacturer. They needed some assistance with their SAP rollout and their global training strategy. So once again, I kept doing training, but my real passions were lying in that area of business continuity, data center operations, and basis of security. So as I was going through my career there, I started a security awareness program and had the opportunity to become their first full-time security leader and got to build that program from scratch. So that was really my move full-time into security. I always joke, though. I still do training. Security (laughs) is always about knowledge transfer and training.
1: Sure. How does your experience as a professional ballet dancer, how do you weave that into your career today in tech?
0: That's a good question. I think everyone should always hire an ex-ballet dancer. (laughs) (laughs) We are very tenacious. You have to be. You hear no a lot. There's only so many jobs. And so I think ballet dancers are very determined. We're very disciplined. It took a ton of discipline, mental and physical, And we're resilient and flexible, not only physically flexible, but we are very flexible to move to different cities and learn parts quickly. And I think having to learn entire ballets in a month and all the choreography gave me that basis to be a lifelong learner and be able to pick up concepts quickly.
1: For our listeners who maybe have the same non-traditional background, maybe not a professional ballerina, but a non-traditional background has benefited you and actually made you more motivated to succeed?
0: I think so. I think coming out of a non-traditional background, and I'll speak from the arts, but actually through LinkedIn, I've connected with a lot of ex-dancers and ex-artists and musicians who have actually moved into cybersecurity. We're thinking more creatively we're bringing a lot of different skill sets in that maybe someone traditionally that didn't come up directly through tech which of course i was in infrastructure and tech for about 15 plus i won't say exactly how long it makes me feel really old but coming in through technology was a great foundation but i think we're seeing more diversity we're thinking differently we're asking different questions now in technology and cybersecurity roles with people coming in from non-traditional backgrounds.
1: How about just challenges maybe you've encountered as a woman in technology?
0: I've talked to a lot of other women, and sometimes I thought it was just me, and they said, no, it, it was me too. For me personally, part of it was the imposter syndrome and getting over that. I think for years, actually, I did not talk about being a ballerina, I was worried that that would discount my credibility in technology and cyber. And it was one of my mentors actually said, you need to talk about your background to just show how diversity can come into technology and cybersecurity. And I think a lot of women are not is motivated or is courageous to come into a technology career because they feel like they need to check every single box and have every single certification to be qualified to come into this industry. And sometimes we all need to just throw in our hat, be very vocal and say, I want to do that because I think there is a perception as a woman that I didn't want to move into this type of work.
1: You hear from a lot of people saying they found somebody who was a mentor in their career. Was there somebody who you leaned on heavily early on when you started?
0: Yes, I did. And I've always talked about being a woman in tech. My mentors were men, really, because I was among almost all men in different areas. So there was one in particular at one of my jobs that just kind of prepped me for not limiting myself. So stop apologizing when you're in meetings. Don't apologize. Just speak. Speak with authority. Then go for it. So a couple of the job changes that I did, they would kind of talk me through, why are you talking yourself out of this? So I think that was really important. And then again, encouraging me to be authentic and tell my story and not Discount the fact that I was a professional ballerina, but share it. It really has resonated with a lot of people that I've met coming in or wanting to come into tech or wanting to come into cyber from a non-traditional background.
1: Let's pivot a little bit. I know our listeners want me to ask some questions about your current career and focus, you're the chief security officer for Elevate. You know what are your responsibilities with them?
0: We're a fintech company, so we're developing technology to support our bank partners and this technology helps originate loans and we focus on the non-prime market. So I love that we offer an alternative to maybe some predatory lending options that often they're faced with the expensive payday loans. So as the chief security officer, my job is to secure data, our customer data, our intellectual property, and also secure our systems and applications and then physical security when we're all back in the office so it's really information and physical security all together under my umbrella we also are responsible for governance risk and compliance because nowadays with security we have data protection regulations we have privacy regulations so we have grc and we have business continuity Part of my team is responsible for the business continuity planning, and we got to put it into action last year with the pandemic.
1: Tell me a little bit about what a typical day looks like for you in your role.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of meetings. <laughs> I have so many areas of responsibility. I'll be in all sorts of meetings. It could be meetings with the audit team and legal. It could be meetings with IT. We're truly partners with IT. We're looking at risk and cyber-related risk, but they are the ones that are actually putting in the technology. Maybe they're the ones that are patching, doing the updates. So we are working really closely with them. But generally, just a lot of meetings.
1: Elevate's a fintech company. What challenges does that bring being in the financial space as a security leader?
0: Yeah. So financial space, we are faced with number one, data. So we are protecting a lot of data, a lot of customer data. And for FinTech, we're also developing our own proprietary products. So our intellectual property as well. So that's something that we focus on. And then with banking and financials, regulatory issues that might arise. So we have a lot of compliance that we're focused on as well.
1: I'm curious with all the things that have been going on in the world lately with the ransomware attacks, has anything changed in your world significantly, or is it still pretty much business as usual, just with a little more heightened sense of urgency?
0: Thank goodness for my company here. I've got support from the board all the way down. So our executives are very aware of the risk. I present risk every month to everyone just if anything is changing, but with the high profile ransomware attacks like colonial pipeline or JBS, things really haven't changed. They're just more visible because these attacks are really affecting the everyday citizen now. And I've been asked that a lot lately, is this new? And unfortunately, it's not new. We're just hearing more about it. But I think it's a great time to bring more visibility to companies and their need to be prepared.
1: You know, we talked a little bit about what's been going on in the world. How do you stay on top of all the threats that are happening?
0: Yeah, cybersecurity is definitely a group effort. I am very active in the Dallas-Fort Worth community with my fellow CISOs and CIOs. I think information sharing is absolutely crucial. And we do partner with the FBI, and my team gets multiple threat feeds. So we have specific threat intelligence companies that we're partnered with. Again, as CISOs, we share new information or things that we might have encountered But it's just absolutely crucial to stay abreast, not only the news stories, but then we're looking at indicators of compromise, the CVEs, the things that need to be patched, any kind of forensics that we share among our community.
1: The government just recently came out with some recommendations for guidance. I mean, how is that impacting your seat at a fintech company?
0: The government's really stepping in right now, and this is very new to everybody, but the possible government regulations for cyber for minimum level of cybersecurity at companies involved in critical infrastructure it's really showing you know that companies need to realize that they must invest in cyber because it's one of the top risks to companies now
1: and we talk about the ransomware product and how it changes your day-to-day how does it change the go forward
0: yeah i think with these high profile incidents that we've seen in 2021. For us at Elevate Credit, we're continuing as we've always been. We have a well-funded, well-supported security program. But I think for other companies who really considered a security program something they couldn't afford, I think they're really now looking at this as something that we can't avoid. I think this should be considered as part of just doing business is your investment in cybersecurity, because it's really proving to be one of the top threats to any company in any industry right now around the world.
1: Let's kind of focus a little bit maybe on what's next here. For people who are aspiring to get into technology, for people who are aspiring maybe for a role like you have today, What do you think it takes to be successful? What advice would you give our listeners?
0: There are so many resources available on the internet now. A lot of them are free. A lot of folks come to me and say, I want to go into cyber. What should I do? (laughs) Start learning about the industry and all the areas. Cybersecurity is like being a doctor. So do you want to be a podiatrist or an ear, nose, and throat specialist? Kind of honing in on what skills do you have that are transferable? We need a lot of people in the governance, risk, and compliance, the GRC and the audit area. So not everyone entering cyber needs to be a pen tester or an ethical hacker. So I think first understanding, follow people that you think are interesting on LinkedIn and other areas. So there's lots of podcasts out there in learning. I'm a co-author of a book called The CISO Mentor. 14 of us CISOs got together and we each took a chapter and we actually didn't know what the other CISO was writing about, but it was really about our journey through our careers to become chief information security officer or a chief security officer, either one. The proceeds from the book are going back into funding educational opportunities for underserved communities so we can expose our young people out there to technology and cybersecurity careers. It's really full circle.
1: And you can admit, nobody will tell, yours was the best chapter, right?
0: Absolutely. Of course. <laughs> I do. A lot of people wanted to hear about my journey from being a ballerina into technology. So I do tell about my unexpected journey into being a CISO.
1: Certainly in the world today, companies are having increasing opportunities for people with a diverse background. What effect do you think this will have in the cybersecurity industry in the future?
0: I think a lot of experts are talking about that right now. I expect more diversity, not only in women coming into cyber, which when I joined and I was coming up as CISO and a security leader, there weren't many women in this field. We're growing, which is great in diversity that way. But also, again, men and women coming in from a non traditional background, I think it's bringing a different viewpoint into cybersecurity. And what's really important right now is with the threat landscape and everything being digital and things moving to the cloud, cybersecurity is really about risk and not all about technology which in the beginning of this millennium, I guess in the early 2000s, we were very focused on the technology part of it. Time malware, firewalls, that's very, very important for a defense in depth strategy. But we also need thought leaders coming in, again, looking at the risk side of cybersecurity.
1: I've heard you in other interviews talk about the shortfall in the cybersecurity space for people. Why do you think, certainly maybe even just people with non-traditional backgrounds or just people in general, haven't considered working in cybersecurity?
0: I think the perception was that you had to be a highly technical person with a coding background or like a network security background. So I think it was, again, the perception of I've got to be an ethical hacker and that's the way to get into cybersecurity. And I think a lot of people shied away from that. In the past.
1: Let's finish this up on a more personal note. I'm sure our listeners would love to know something about you outside of your role in cybersecurity. Share with us something that's near and dear to you, something that maybe nobody knows just yet.
0: Well, I think a lot of people might know this about me, but I'll, I'll tell the why being a woman in tech and a woman in security. I'm a bourbon enthusiast. This came about because I was getting together with a lot of other CISOs and yes, almost all men. And I found that the talk in technology from maybe the 90s or the early 2000s was primarily about golf. The chatter was about bourbon. And I thought, now how, again, being a woman in tech, how am I going to integrate in with these men to join the conversation? So I made it my New Year's resolution in 2019 to learn about bourbon. And I really just wanted to do that so I could join the conversations after the conferences. What happened was I absolutely fell in love with bourbon. So now I am quite a bourbon enthusiast.
1: What's the go-to for our listeners?
0: I do love Old Forester. And I am very good friends with the CISO of Brown Foreman, who makes Old Forester. So I always joke that she has my absolute dream job, although Elevate credit is my dream job. It's so awesome.
1: And that was Jessica Nemers, Chief Security Officer at Elevate. Being tenacious, disciplined, resilient, and adaptable, all things she learned as a ballerina, have all been traits that fostered her success in cyber to the role she has today as Chief Information Security Officer. I love their advice to those in technology who come from a non-traditional background to be your authentic self and to not be afraid to tell your story. Diversity, she says, brings a skill set to a world of technology that is necessary and would normally not be seen without it. Join us for our next episode where we'll be exploring how technology helps predict the weather. We'll be joined by Charles Ewan, the Director of Technology at the Met Office. Technology, if you abstract it right up to what it really means, the ability to leverage value in some way from doing new things, there's a global need for that. We've got some big problems to solve and science and technology are some of the only areas that we can look to to solve some of these problems that address mankind. So by having people with other lenses through which to look, engaged in science and technology, surely that can only be a good thing. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Sean Cheatham, Chief Sales Officer at Hayes Technology, and you've been listening to How Did You Get That Job? To find out more about Hayes Technology, visit our website at hayestechnology.com and hit follow at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from.